Happy Holidays 2019, and thank you for tuning in to another hard-hitting episode of Rank and Review, where returning guest Ashley Pachkowski is here to help me talk about six horror-themed Christmas movies. And I guess, to be fair, a third of these movies are just straight comedies, but uh, I think that they're dark enough that they earn the moniker, Have Yourself a Scary Little Christmas. As usual, you should go into this podcast expecting spoilers for the six movies being ranked and reviewed, and to expect some measure of coarse language, usually from me, because I have a sailor mouth. I do hope you're having a good holiday season this 2019, and I hope you keep on listening to Rank and Review. You can send me feedback at rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. And please tell a friend about Rank and Review. Also, if you like this podcast, I have this feeling like you would enjoy the Terror Table podcast. So if you want more horror talk to fill your ears, check out the Terror Table. Now let's get on with our very scary Christmas podcast. Merry early Christmas to Ashley Pachkowski, returning once again to Rank and Review. It's so nice to see your face. <laughs> uh, Merry Christmas, Larry. I should say it's Ashley Jurgens now. Oh, I apologize. See, oh, no even worries, when I no get worries. your name right, I get your name wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier to pronounce now, anyway. Yeah, like, even I can't After mess you up. finally mastered it. Yeah, I can't mess up Jurgens, can I? Ashley Jurgens, I will make that fix. I apologize. Okay. No worries, no worries. <laughs> So yes, it's been Christmas early for us. This is dropping on Christmas Day uh, of 2019, but uh, it's it's November for us. But uh, I don't know about how quickly you watch these together. I've watched these in about the last 10 days, roughly. Yeah, yeah, week and a half or so. so. Yeah. So um, I don't know. Uh, it's a weird mixed bag of movies. We're doing, like, Have Yourself a Scary Little Christmas too, <laughs> And... Uh, <laughs> We have two comedies and four horror movies, but well, I guess the a little bit of overlap. Yeah, there's there's uh, there's there's a little bit of mixing and mashing in the bunch. So 
Christmas horror. I kind of bullied you into this because I needed somebody to do this holiday themed episode. And I was happy to jump on it because I need a deadline to do things. There you so go. it worked out. And here we sit. Um, what do you think about the idea? Uh, almost all comedies and all horror movies about Christmas usually subvert it to some level. Uh, it's as much about taking the piss out of Christmas as celebrating it. Um, I grew up kind of like crazy, like excited about um, Christmas. Like I would get ridiculously charged about it. But uh, as I got older, I, I just sort of it transferred onto my children. You just get another angle on it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But uh, what do you think of Christmas horror, or Christmas comedy? Good taste, bad taste? <laughs> I think I think largely good taste. I think uh, you know Christmas falls you know around the the winter solstice, the long dark nights of the year when we're supposed to sit around our campfires and be vigilant and keep each other a little bit a little bit scared, telling horror stories. Um, and I think that it's really. And quite a natural fit to to juxtapose that with the bright, screamingly lighted, specifically the corporate view of Christmas with the the sand where it's all Santa Claus and uh, candy canes. Yeah. Well, and even when I was a little kid, like I watched those old like Bank and Rash stop motion uh, Christmas specials all the time. You know, like mm-hmm. Rudolph and Frosty the Snowman, all that that were really weird and dark. Um, I always liked the Alistair Sims version of Scrooge. It was like a family tradition in our house to watch that at Christmas time. And that's a ghost story. It's got some scary shit in it. So for me, like that's kind of always been a part of my Christmas entertainment. It's always been a little bent. It's always been a little left. I'm not going to say that I'm in love with all of these movies, but uh, I think they had a leg up just for being what they are. <laughs> so I'm on board. I'm on board. Um, yeah. I, is there anything else you want to say by way of introduction before I list the movies we're going to review and we? Uh, no, no, I think you know I'm not I'm not here often, but I have been here, so you guys kind of kind of know me a little bit, and we can jump in. You know, just fun fact for for you and for our listeners, <laughs> uh, just because of uh, the the Skype memory here. The last time we did this was almost exactly a year ago. <clears throat> I was noticing that. And it was the 18th, myself. and it's like the 22nd or something today. So, yeah. like, almost a year exactly. Ooh. <clears throat> Once again, Merry Christmas. Let's do this. <laughs> the films we'll be reviewing this episode will be The Christmas Horror Story, Scrooged, Santa's Sleigh, Bad Santa, Silent Night, and Grammar's. Christmas, the most magical time of year. Now tell me we will find the perfect Christmas tree. It's Christmas. Christmas is all about forgiveness and family and tradition. Santa, lots of kids are depending on tonight going off without a hit. But in Bailey Downs this Christmas, it's different. Exactly one year ago, last Christmas Eve, the school was the scene of an unimaginable crime. You still want to go down there just for some stupid school assignment? I think any door in the school. This is Krampus, right? What's a Krampus? He's like an anti-Santa Claus. A demon who punishes the naughty. He whips them and chains them up, stuff like that. That's fine. It's the elves. 
I fear they may all become infected. How did it all come to this? We're trapped down here, and there's a psychopath on our loose. Bring the changeling back to the forest. That ain't your son. Did you not see what he did? The atmosphere here in Bailey Downs is truly grim this holiday season. Okay, uh, a Christmas horror story. This is an interesting one. It's a it's a Canadian-made Christmas horror anthology. Three different directors, I think four stories being sort of told Pulp Fiction Blender style, where we're getting nips and pieces of them, and some of them in some ways intersect. Um, it's one of those things that. Um, I really like that kind of anthology movie. Well, I, I like they can do it Pulp Fiction style. They can do it one story at a time. But I, I have a soft spot for that. But I also admit that more often than not, they're mixed bags or kind of bad. Uh, sometimes it, it, it hurts that when your narrative resets every 20 minutes or so. Um, so I think that that's something that this movie does really well as far as balancing the stories and keeping everything clear and... Uh, keeping you asking questions but for the most part answering them um it's uh, I, I would agree with that yeah it's set in the same world interestingly as ginger snaps this whole bailey downs town and everything like that and ah. the production company around it they don't ever i don't think implicitly reference beyond the environment ginger snaps but uh fun fact um but you're gonna see some crazy stuff if you watch this movie you're gonna see Santa Claus take the severed head of an elf and use it to bash in the skull of another elf. <laughs> um, you're going to see a documentary crew, sort of pseudo Blair Witch style, it's not really found footage, but investigating something they shouldn't and having all of the tropes of that kind of presentation in it while still, I think, working more than it doesn't. <laughs> uh, just as, I'm, I'm not speaking for you, Ashley, I'm just speaking for me. Uh, we have a story about a doppelganger. Uh, the story of the Mad Santa, and we have the story of a family and Krampus uh, encountering this Krampus monster. I think I've covered most everything. And it's yep. all tied in a nice little bow with the Shat himself. Bill Shatner playing a radio DJ. Uh, just Again, he's not really spinning Perfect. the stories, but he's the right man for the job. But isn't he the right man for almost any job? <laughs> Recently, he was given like the Order of Canada or something like uh, like. Mr. Shatner is, is immortal. Um, and he's sort of a comic relief story, but they also do something really clever, I think, with that character, too, that we can get into. But I've been going on and on about the movie, but what do you think? Where do you land on a, a, a Christmas horror story? Is it an anthology mixed bag, or does it pull it off? It's, uh, I mean, every every box of chocolates, every, you know, every Christmas you get the pot of gold, you pass it around and, you know, there's the one you don't like, but the rest of them are pretty good. And that's how I feel about this. Oh yeah. Uh, felt about this movie. Um, specifically, I felt that the, 
uh, narrative with Santa in the North Pole was in such a different world than the other three movies right. um, that it probably would have stood uh, well on its own if this were one where it were cut with as three separate films where we watch one thing and the next thing and the next thing. But jumping back and forth, the tone was so off from everything else that we were watching that it really threw me every time. Well, I kind of partially agree and disagree with you. I asked myself the same question when I was first watching the movie, uh, that like this one is apart from the other ones. This was in a completely fantasy realm, and mm -hmm. it doesn't interact with the other characters. It doesn't even take place in Bailey Downs, other than Krampus, in quotation marks, showing up again. There's like really no tether to the other stories until we get until the payoff. Once we get the payoff, which I genuinely fell for, like it answered the question of why this play, this the story is so outside of things because mm -hmm. we're not seeing the reality of the situation as it turns yeah. out with the twist of the movie. And uh, so it was one of those things that while it was happening, I was unsure about it, but because it paid off, uh, all was forgiven for me. And also that segment has the most crazy violence in it. That's like where it's the most wet. I mean, I, I hate to sound like such a horror dude, but like uh, the whole thing with the elves swearing and cussing and getting blood sprayed in their faces and going psycho, it was amusing. You're right though, tonally completely different and like not at all scary. I think one of the things that kind of impressed me is like, the doppelganger story in particular and uh, some of the scenes with yes. the kids locked in the in the high school basement were actually genuinely scary <laughs> like it, they had their moments and uh, mm -hmm. I was expecting it maybe to be a sort of lighter goofier affair like a lot of these Christmas things tend to be yeah. but there's not a lot of aw shucks to <laughs> this Christmas <laughs> horror story it lives up to the name on the box in that way mm -hmm. um, the doppelganger story is quite subversive at some points too like the whole idea of the father trying to redeem himself but the kid's actually really bad the whole creepy as hell scene with the kid watching his mom in the shower and crawling okay. under the covers with her in bed like like uncomfortable horror and again like it belongs within the movie like this all starts with the family going to fetch a christmas tree but like cutting back and forth in these interweaving stories like yeah yikes Yikes. Uh, do you have a favorite? Well, you said that they, the elves were your least favorite, I guess. But yeah. did you have a standard? Um, and, and like mostly because of its context and not fitting in with, uh, with the rest, I would say. I probably did find also the doppelganger story the most chilling. Right. Um, and like small, small kids. Anytime you do creepy stuff with little kids, that's going to get me. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought that the high school, um, the high schoolers going into the college um, to investigate was very well done, very chilling. Uh, reminded me of some Japanese horrors that I've watched for your show before. Right. Uh, just, just in tone and in those jump scares getting me. <laughs> yeah, well, I... Again, it was uh, that one in the way had the most familiar pieces to me, like documentary crew headed by a female, and she's kind of difficult. It, Blair Witch, right? Two guys and a girl. It was hard not to think of it, but okay. it's not as implicitly found footage of that. But as far as her being kind of bossy and getting them into this situation, and the situation being really bad, 
Um, but it's just a pet peeve that she had to be really shitty about it. Like, it's just, it's so common in that kind of story where the center of the documentary, for in whatever reason, is really difficult and hard to like. Um, and it's a pet peeve of mine. One of the first things we see in that story where they have the footage of the police going through the crime scene and mm -hmm. that body drops from the ceiling for no reason and it's supposed to be like a found genuine footage moment and there's actually like a musical sting and a scream when the body falls. Like it just, it, 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 that one little moment sort of said like, you guys don't understand the principle of found footage at all. Do you? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but uh, it was one little moment. It bugged me. I let it go. Yeah, um, but then the kids' performances in that in that section specifically were so strong that mm -hmm. I, I forgave a lot. Speaking of unlikable characters, uh, we haven't really mentioned the story of the family going to visit their aunt, and yeah. basically to try and fleece her for some money and fake holiday cheer, who gets set upon by Krampus. I think we didn't get to it because, for me, it's the least interesting and most kind of straightforward of all of mm -hmm. the stories. It does attempt a good payoff, but like it, it just didn't hit the same level that the other ones did for me. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the the final twist on that one did give me a very good ch chuckle, right. a, a gleeful ginger snaps kind of um, joy uh, in in the in the the final girl turning that situation at the end. Well, the weird darkness of the movie does have that ginger snappy. DNA to it and I say yeah. that in a very uh, complimentary way I also want to go back to the Shat, <laughs> Mr. Shatner <laughs> himself, one of the things I think that distracted me from seeing what they were doing with the zombie elves story that seemed mm -hmm. so out of the way was whenever we got back to Shatner on the radio he's getting more and more drunk and he keeps on talking to this girl, Susan and we never see Susan and I kept on like waiting like there's gonna be some twisty payoff where she's like dead in the next room or like it's a mannequin or there's some there's gonna be something that they, but no no it's just it's a it's a red herring and mm -hmm. I, I think because I thought that's where our sort of booyah was gonna happen that it's sort of clever writing congrats yeah. on that <laughs> uh Oh. I, I did notice um, that it was the same actor playing Santa Claus and the weatherman immediately right. when they didn't show his face. I, I think maybe that was a needless hide. Yeah. But, yeah. If you want to pick apart things, you can. But, I mean, yeah. this is an ambitious movie because it's, like, it's quick. But, like, the guy from the doppelganger story uh, whose tree is stolen, how did he know who to call? Like, he saw them steal his tree, and then he just somehow, you know, was able to call them and tell them, like, that. Well, he ran their plates. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, there's a, there's conveniences to all of the stories. Like I said, in the, the kids in the locked in the basement, one of them, the female character gets clearly possessed, and it's all tranced out, and she's like, come with me, you know? <laughs> It's one of those horror movie moments where you're like, you're an idiot if you go with her, but the, the movie stops if you don't go with her. So, okay, I guess we're going to walk down this dark hallway together. But I got to say, I was so impressed. Like, this movie could have been terrible, and it isn't. It's possessed of that weird Canadian content that I love to push. Dark humor, genuinely chilling. Like, it way overperformed for me. And, uh,. I maybe not watch it every Christmas, but I will revisit it, and I will definitely recommend it to people who haven't seen it. 
So, like, uh, coming in strong with our first review, I got to say, I am okay. all smiles with the Christmas Horror Story. My problems with it are really quibbles, like yeah. I say. So, uh, bravo. It's not Trick or Treat. Have you seen Trick or Treat? Not. There's a Halloween-themed uh, anthology movie, sort of similar okay. to style of this. Uh, interestingly, Mike Doherty wrote and directed it. Same guy who we're going to talk about later did Krampus. Um, that's like a fantastic anthology. That's A+. This is like B+, but I'll take it. Yeah. Anything yeah. else you want to say about uh, the... Did I mow over you? Uh, no, no. I, 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 would, I would echo, like, if this sounds like it's for you, it's for you um <laughs> like and i could imagine this being the sort of thing that you put on at this kind of darker holiday par- party with your friends and you all kind of chat and pop in once in a while and go what the fuck is happening here and <laughs> it's, it's a good time yeah no uh it, it like i said the one other thing i just wanted to mention the the Krampus thing, because we're going to be talking about Krampus later in the episode. There's a, like I talk about the weird fucked up scene, a mother and daughter are hiding in a confessional booth, I believe in a church, and the daughter says, there's something at my feet, and there's a huge snake-like Krampus tongue wrapping around their feet. I don't know what I was expecting to see when I sat down to watch a Christmas horror <laughs> story, but... I was not expecting that. And whenever that happens, I'm all smiles. <laughs> all right. Watch out. Ah! He's a thoughtful boss. Thanks, boys. Get the nurse. A generous brother. What did he give you last year? Uh, I don't remember. A shower curtain. Did you hear him? I think you dropped something here. And a true humanitarian. I can't get the antlers glued onto this little guy. We tried crazy glue. Have you tried staples? But his life is about to change. That was a good one. You are going to be visited by three ghosts tomorrow at noon. God, tomorrow's bad for me, Lou. As a matter of fact, the whole rest of the week is a washout. Anyone who thinks he hates Christmas is wrong. Go back to Jersey, you moron! (laughs) It's ghosts he hates. Bill Murray. Karen Allen. It sounded like you'd seen a ghost. A ghost? John Forsythe. Bobcat Goldthwaite. Hey! You want to see me or is this a shotgun in your pocket? <laughs> you know this one? Everybody knows this one. Let's go now. How does everybody know this one? Carol Kane. Robert Mitchum. I really care. David Johansson. Oh, I'm having the weirdest day. This holiday season, see Bill Murray get Scrooged. Hey, back off, big man. That may work with the checks, but not with me. Okay, Richard Donner film from 1988 starring the Bill Murray Scrooged. Scrooged. This kind of landed right at the right time. I was like a kid and I was sort of just first discovering movies. And I I must admit, when I first saw this movie, I I really, really, really liked it. Like, I I just, it was my jam. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know that it's aged 100% super completely awesomely well. Okay. The basic Dickens structure of the story is always going to be there for you, and it gives a really clear A, B, and C thread to the to the plot. And if you want to do the affable asshole, which is what 80s comedy was all about, you can do no better than Bill Murray. But since I was a kid, I was an English major, and since, you know... <laughs> I, I actually did my due diligence and actually broke down and read Christmas Carol. Uh, I think I put my, my, for me anyway, again, I don't want to speak for you, put a figure on, on where they missed this, uh, or just slightly for me. Again, it's not necessarily a thumbs down review, but it just doesn't have the same shine for me that it once did. In the original text, Scrooge is traumatized by his past, and that's sort of the main reason that he resents the holidays. Because he has nobody who loves him, or because he associates it with times of loss and times of failure, that's where the rage and that's where the hate comes from. This, this guy, this Bill Murray, this, this TV executive, is just an asshole. Yeah. And he likes being an asshole. And when we go back into his past to see why he's an asshole, we see no real great reason why he made the transition. You don't understand why he threw his relationship away. You don't understand why he became so cold. And you don't understand why he didn't mourn it. And it that causes a problem for the redemption arc. It makes you wonder why the ghosts are helping this dude. I did a review a long time ago. I liked the movie The Game, but my friend Brendan didn't like it on the principles like that the story was about redeeming a guy who was maybe not worth redeeming. And if he wasn't this rich asshole, none of this would happen for him. And yeah, I guess in the end, all the magic and spirits and hopes of Christmas coming into way to help this jerk get the, the woman he loves and find a way to be happy being a millionaire TV executive kind of rings a little bit hollow. <laughs> but what I hang on to are the isolated funny beats because there's a lot of them. I love Carol Kane as the ghost of Christmas yes. present. She is my jam. I love that girl so much. And uh, the special effects of the movie are impressive and still look good today. Uh, there's some good moments of darkness when he gets dangled off the edge and he's clutching desperately to the spirit's arm and the arm starts falling apart in his hands. Really great moments. So really, it's it's it went from like an enthusiastically positive review when I was 13 or whatever to it's a mixed bag in in in, in today. <laughs> So that's my screed on Scrooge. I, I hope it wasn't sacred to you and I didn't just hurt your feelings. No, no, uh, I actually, I had never seen Scrooge until oh. today when I watched it for the podcast. Nice. Um, so coming at it with, you know, fresh 2019 eyes, uh, the, the corporate culture is terrifying. And, um, but as, as, a, as a telling of the Christmas Carol story in a universe where a Christmas Carol is referenced constantly, it's all right. Right. Um, the the humor is very Bugs Bunny, and I think if you're in the right mood for that, it's gonna hit. I was not in the right mood for that, uh, so it <laughs> took it uh, took me you know two thirds of the movie to get on board. I, I would say that Carol Kane as the Ghost of Christmas Present was really the 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 thing that went, made me go, okay, you are you are doing something a little bit different here. Right. This is worth seeing. Um, Del- delightful to see. I should I should have looked up the actress's name uh, who plays the lost girlfriend. Karen um, Allen. Karen, Karen Allen. Allen. Lovely to see Karen Allen. 
Raiders of the Lost Ark. She's Marion. Yeah. I love that girl. And uh, she is so charming. And I think, I mean, maybe it's my own personal thing. In, in When they go to the past and there's this shot of her, like, on Christmas, naked in the bathtub waiting for him smoking a <laughs> joint. I was like, really? Really? Like, you turned your back on this? Like, I just could not relate yeah. to that decision at all. He she never like, deserved her, and he doesn't deserve her now. That's right. She's always going to be way better than you, dude. Like, just, <laughs> alas. Uh, Richard Donner directed this, and uh, one of the interesting things about it is that, as seems to happen, unfortunately, often with Bill Murray, he did not get along with the director very much and did not enjoy large swaths of the filming and i think it's kind of on his face in yeah. some of the scenes it doesn't not work though because it, the character is such an unpleasant person yeah. and just doesn't enjoy anything i want to believe the legend of bill murray but there's a lot of stories of him like being randomly awesome and there's lots of stories of him being randomly difficult it's maybe one of those celebrities that it's better maybe not to meet in person in the movie <laughs> I just want to imagine him as being this amazingly funny, nice dude. <laughs> Not this difficult. Whatever. Um, the ending of the movie, too, with, you know, the Scrooge on Christmas morning, more than anything else in the movie, it's not necessarily bad, but it feels improvised to me. Like, I, I, I don't know that Bill Murray went off script, but it sure feels like he went off script. It, it really feels like they put him in a room when these are the beats you need to hit go we'll do it two or three times and pick the best stuff yeah but yeah. for such a like lavish big budget production that that seems like a kind of a kind of a miss maybe a risk but you know not not a not a bad one necessarily um it it get it's a little bit schmaltzy a little bit preachy but it fits with i think the the movie they were trying to make it is schmaltzy it just is like Scrooge Giddy on Christmas morning is like pay dirt for this, right? Uh, and I get that they're not going to be able to top that. Like, I, like, how do you? It's become this weird theme. I always have to bring up Hot Rod as often as possible. But like in the big climactic ending of Hot Rod, when he, after the jump happens at the end of it and everybody's cheering and celebrating, for no reason Scrooge is there with the Christmas goose. <laughs> Because that just means happiness to people, right? <laughs> it's just... Uh, <clears throat> it's a tough bar I get to get over. Like, you're not... It's hard, like hard to top. But I kind of don't feel... like if you, if you just approach it, we'll let Bill figure it out. That, to me, just says you didn't try. Yeah. I'm still... I'm listening to myself, and I'm coming off way harder on the movie <laughs> than I should. But, but I think, like, of all the movies we watched, this is the one that had all of the resources behind it so it does you know sort of ask for a more critical eye yeah. you, you you had bill murray at the probably the height of his theatrical pull you had you know experienced directors and set people and the cast is strong throughout it any any problem with the movie is a product is a like a script level problem and that or a, or a not using your script level problem. And when you have those kinds of resources, we as people who watch a lot of movies are going to notice. Um, and it, you, we tend to be harder on like a big budget sprawling Hollywood epic than we are on a, a micro budget Canadian yeah. <laughs> production. And, and maybe that's unfair. But let's talk about the things we do like. Let's go back to Carol Kane. 
Carol Kane <laughs> beats the living shit out of Bill Murray. And as her as an approach, like this really pays off to me because he has been such a prick for so long that he really does deserve to be smacked in the face. <laughs> It's funny though, Carol Kane is such a gentle person, like she got that it was a funny bit and it was a juxtaposition because she's so sweet and small but brutal, right? And they put her in the fluffiest dress and the shiniest wings and she uses her littlest voice. Yeah, and, uh, but she was a little bit uncomfortable doing the violence. Uh, one of the first things they did, she grabbed him by the lip. He actually hurt him. Uh, and uh, <laughs> after that happened, she was terrified that she was going to hurt him. So uh, I'm just doubling down on my compliment to Carol King because if you watch it, she just looks like she's having a ball with it. But I guess she had some anxiety <laughs> while she was doing it too. So. But there's something that's really... that's why you practice your stunts, kids. <laughs> this is something they should... Like, I want a movie about the Ghost of Christmas Present. There's something, I don't know, weirdly fascinating to me about this idea of this small, angelic creature with such violence in her. I don't know, like, what adventure she would be put upon, but I would watch the shit out of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Okay, the uh, Ghost of Christmas Future, not a lot of personality to it, but fairly cool visual mm-hmm. realization. Or, well done. W- well done in that way. Like the uh, the bait and switch where he sees the one for his show and freaks, freaks out, out first is good. Yeah. Um, I have a little bit of an issue with the whose funeral is this scene. What show is he live producing for television on Christmas? <laughs> His network is producing a live television production of A Christmas Carol. Mm -hmm. And it's happening to him. So, I mean, initially, maybe he thinks he's having a nervous breakdown. But by this point, like, he's taking the ride. Yeah. He fucking knows whose funeral this is, right? And, And, like, if he'd played it that way, he could even keep the line and play it that way. But it really did seem to be, like, he didn't understand this. And I think that you could compound the horror of the scene. He's like, I don't want to go to my funeral. You can't take me to the funeral. Like, you'll have to drag me there. And, and, and like, maybe people muse what it would be like if there's an afterlife to be, like, a ghost at the back of the room in your funeral. But, like, that, it just seems horrible. It just seems like a horrible, horrible thing to me. I, I think if I was a ghost, I might skip out on the funeral. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> well, I certainly wouldn't grab my coffin and you know get my spirit cremated along with my body yeah and and like murray really tries to sell it i think he's good in this scene i just think that the on a script level that was another thing where they kind of missed the essence of the original thing and by making them do the live tv show of a christmas carol they set up that he knows that the christmas carol is a thing and that you know this is not just inexplicable and, and setting up that he was, you know, a kid who was raised by television. There's no way he hasn't seen Christmas Carol a thousand times because yeah. it's on every year in some form or other. Got a weird cable guy's vibe off of that sequence. <laughs> feel like uh, Ben Stiller watched Scrooge and thought, hey, that's an interesting idea. Let's make a whole movie about that. Um I, again, I guess I, I'll say like I'm being way too hard on the movie. It's fine. It's totally something that you can watch with the family at Christmas time. It's inoffensive. It doesn't suck, yeah. but it's not fantastic either. It's it, it, it's it's Scrooge, man. And and it and like look, it didn't have an uphill battle to fight. So that it's not fantastic is 
its own fault. <laughs> so there. So there. <laughs> Is that good enough for Scrooge? That works for me. Grandpa, I want the truth about Christmas. If it's the truth you want, then it's the scary truth you're gonna have. According to the Book of Claus, Santa, Satan's only son, lost a bet and was forced to spread Christmas cheer. But now, all bets are off. Santa? Yes, there is a Santa Claus. not a myth or a legend. He's real. Christmas. Only he's not bearing gifts and presents anymore. Christmas can sure scare the dickens out of people. He's scary yet educational. I'm just trying to spread a little yuletide fear. Are you saying Santa is offing everyone who's naughty and nice? Oh my God. Nicholas shot him! You shot Santa? <laughs> This holiday season. Lock your doors. Bolt the windows. Oh, Grandpa got run over by a reindeer. Everyone stand back. Things are about to get a little messy. Okay, Santa's Sleigh is a horror comedy from 2005 <laughs> starring Bill Goldberg and directed by David Steinman. Bill Goldberg is a big wrestler, uh, I guess, if you care about the world of wrestling, which I confess I do not particularly. I'm sure that there's some moves he used or some references that he made that if I was into that world would have been awesome. But I just have to look forward, look at it as, you know, he's an eccentric character. He's a killer Santa. Yeah. Premise. Santa lost a bet with the, or, or, or sorry, he, he, this evil Santa loses a bet with this angel, this Christmas angel figure. But in a curling match, very uniquely Canadian <laughs> origin story. And because he lost, he had to be good for like a thousand years or whatever it was. Yeah. And uh, he had to like suck it up and be good to kids and give presents and like be the source of joy in the world. And the time is fucking up. Yeah. <laughs> so here he shows up to this completely awful corrupt town full of really, really terrible, just a tapestry of terrible. <laughs> yeah. uh, and this is sort of familiar with the, especially the Christmas comedy. We're going to talk about it again when we talk about Bad Santa, where like they really put the screws to the false niceties and, and get to like the nitty gritty harsh that lives underneath it all. <laughs> Um, it also makes them safer victims in a way because we don't like them as much. We don't care so much when they go down. It's a B-movie. It's obviously low budget. It's got a few faces in it, actually. There's a whole barrage of celebrity cameos at the beginning of the movie who all get yeah. killed off. Um, I have to confess to having a guilty pleasure response to it, okay? I get that it's not good, necessarily i get that not all the performances are there and i get that it does have maybe a higher percentage of sleaze to it than i'd like but compared to another slasher movie we're going to talk about this is fucking genius and because it has a sense of humor and because as i've said before in the podcast it just it it knows what it is mm-hmm. i just accepted it and i smiled and i shrugged and there yeah. sat 
Santa's sleigh. It reminds me a little bit of you and I reviewing Snakes on a Plane. Or, 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 or was it Snakes on a Plane? No, it was uh, the Plane of the Living Dead or Flight of the Living Flight Dead. Of the Living Flight Dead. of the Living Dead, sorry. But you can see why I would confuse that with Snakes on a Plane. Yeah. Flight of the Living Dead. In that, yeah, it's stupid, it's cheap, and it's ridiculous. And in that, it delivers all that it promised. So, such is my faint praise for Santa's sleigh. But, I mean, if you're saying thumbs up or thumbs down, I will give it a guilty thumbs up. Are we still friends? I, I'll i see your guilty thumbs up and raise you a legitimate thumbs up. Nice. I fucking loved this. This is <laughs> my goddamn bag. Um, this, this, movie, this movie is low budget and solid concept and knows what it is and goes for it and is unapologetic the performances are you know middling to really good the stunts are innovative like innovative and uh like i I didn't feel like i'd ever seen santa tear down a strip house before (laughs) (laughs) and i just i had a a shit-eating grin from the beginning through the end this was great (laughs) This pleases me. I don't know. I, I guess I, I I felt a little bit more of the sleaze, like the, the 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 town mayor and the town priest, and like pretty much everybody except for Emily De Raven. I think her name is. She was from. She was in Lost, and Lost was in the second season at the time. She didn't need to be in this movie. She had to want to be in this movie. So yeah. points to her. <laughs> I spend my off season in Hawaii, but I, in my downtime, I'm gonna go shoot some movie in the winter of Canada. So, at a girl, at a girl, I have to give big points to the stop animation origin story. Oh my god, yes! <laughs> um, we're gonna see it again in Krampus, but in a way, this one looks more authentic to like those old TV shows that that I remember watching as a kid. And that would have been a tough thing to pull off with this obviously low budget. Like maybe that somebody involved in the production was a friend of James Conn or had some compromising photos of James Conn. So they got James Conn for a day somehow to get killed by this evil Santa. I mean, I'm guessing Fran Drescher is pretty available these days. You know, stuff like this. But I mean, a worthy kill. <laughs> Who doesn't want to see Fran Drescher get set on fire? <laughs> with, with the rest of the early 2000s cast of Saturday Night Live. Right. It was great. <laughs> and like, I for horror fans or slasher fans, I mean, it is kind of more of a funny movie than a scary movie. This has double digit body counts. Like, I think six people are killed in that opening sequence alone. And, and like, they're not shy of the gore. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> they bring the red. They bring the red. But uh, you recognize what I'm talking about? Like, I don't necessarily even talk just strictly about the, the strip club, but just the general depravity of most of the characters. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a bad town full of bad people. And that makes it a little... You know, a little more palatable when uh, Granny, who was just yelling at the you know nice people who run the sandwich shop, gets run off the road by Santa and his evil bison. Yeah. It's. <laughs> I love the evil bison, by the way. Uh, and you know that was the script had obviously he had a bunch of like huge reindeer, but they couldn't afford you know a whole track of reindeer. So one big ass bison, and it does the job. And they pull, they pull things off. Like he chases a car. Like that would have been a tough sequence with a budget. 
Like, I, there's some, a few shots in there. That I don't know. I don't know how they got that one. Well played. Bill Goldberg as an actor. Um, I think as far as people who have come out of that arena, like, I do see him playing a character and I do see him having fun with it. Um, but it's weird to say, like, even though I'm not a big wrestling fan and I haven't watched him in the ring, I don't necessarily think he disappeared <laughs> into the role either. I think it's hard to disappear with that physicality. Yeah. Um, but I think it was, it was right for the part. So and I'll, the, I'll take it. The punchlines that he's asked to deliver are not easy to deliver. And they're so awful that they're part of what makes it good. Like, yeah. looks like Santa got run over by a reindeer. Yes. Yes, that is the line that you say after that happens. <laughs> but <Yeah>. like, <laughs> not the most bold choice, but I mean, again, it's so on the nose that it's weirdly perfect at the same yeah. time. And his jokes don't need to be good. He's saying them for himself. It makes him happy, and he's the son of Satan, and that's what matters. Um, the movie, you can feel slowing down when they're trying to be cute with the romance between the two main characters. Mm-hmm. But it'll make up. You, well, then you'll have Dave Thomas say something incredibly awful. Or Canadian character actor Saul Rubinek shows up as a Jewish deli owner uh, who gets killed in a very Jewish way for some reason. <laughs> somehow gets to spend half an hour like stabbed to the wall through his throat and still be alive to give out his last piece of exposition. <laughs> Like, not only should you not be alive, but even if you were, should you be able to, to talk? <laughs> but again, it's wrong and weird and stupid and right for what this movie is. So, de- deliciously dumb. Just delicious. Just delicious. I, I'm, I'm envious of your enthusiasm of it. I mean, like, uh, maybe I watched in the wrong order because I'd watched Silent Night before it and I had a little bit of a bitter taste <laughs> in my mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I, I I appreciate a movie, like I said already, that, that knows what it is. Um, not for everyone. I mean, I'm glad that we're agreeing and we both like the movie. I think you like it more than than, than I do, but I still like, again, it's, it's, it's a worthy fun watch. Some people will like it more than others, but some people will just <laughs> find it flat out awful, I think. That main male character, I, I, I could bring up the actor's name here. Uh, he... You know, when the cast were a lot of familiar faces uh, who have just small bits to do, I don't know if I've ever seen this guy before, and Douglas Smith, I guess is his name. I couldn't remember the character's name, and he's the main character of the, the movie. Uh, his Nicholas Yulson, very subtle with the with the name Yulson. Um, I don't know. He, he came off a little bit bland to me. The grandfather did the job well enough, although I got a little bit confused towards the end of this super complicated movie. Like, was that his grandfather then, or was he an angel? Or was no, his grandfather was, an angel? Or was he, was his... an, he was an angel, and then he fell in love with this boy's grandma, so he stopped being an angel, but now that he's dead, he's an angel again. Yeah, yeah okay. Okay, and then there's another big old curling match. To, to, to save the day and, and make sure that Christmas is restored to some sort of <laughs> sane balance. Um, again, evil is not punished. They left the door open for a sequel. But alas, <laughs> I think if we haven't seen one by 2019, that's not going to happen. But that's okay. 
I don't know. I feel like I've done short service to it, but I don't know what to say other than repeating myself. It's yeah. kind of what you expect it to be, maybe a little bit better. You seem to say a lot better. Is a lot, it? Do a you lot think? Better. Did you? Um, were think... your expectations low and it overperformed, or did you just it just, just genuinely spoke to you? It just genuinely, like, it got me in the in the first scene with the awful family getting murdered. It, like, it showed me what it was going to be. I realized that I was very down for that, and we had a good time together. So, Santa Slay, surprisingly overperforming. <laughs> uh, check it out. Guilty pleasure, but pleasure. Yeah. Now, a hopeless kid. Wedgie. And a Santa nobody liked. Are teaching each other a lesson. Is that your underwear? Part of it. Where's the rest of it? Actually, I don't want to know. On November 21st, put your dukes up. You gotta learn to stand up for yourself. Oh no. Scream at him. Ah! He is pathetic. Scream! Be loud! Ah! You don't hit enough. What's wrong with you? It's just a kid. I told you I didn't want to do this. Huh? holiday season the naughtiest guy in town just might discover he's a really sweet kid isn't he yeah i guess so how to be nice good night santa good night mrs santa's sister billy bob thornton so do you like kids what do you think i'm some kind of pervert or something i just mean because you're santa claus bernie mac Get him out of here. What do you mean, get him out of here? I'm a dwarf. So unless you got a forklift handy, maybe you should lend a hand, hmm? Got some lip on you, Mitchell. Yeah? Well, these lips were on your wife last night. Tony Cox. Bad Santa. I beat up some kids today. It was for a purpose. Made me feel good about myself. You need many years of therapy. Okay, so Bad Santa, 2003, directed by Terry Zwigoff. He made this famous documentary called Crumb about Robert Crumb and an interesting comic book adaptation with a very young Scarlett Johansson called Ghost World. Neither of which would suggest that he was like the the right guy to do this super hard, super harsh Billy Bob Thornton starring dark as night Christmas comedy. Glenn Ficarra and another writer are credited on the screenplay John Requa, R-E-Q-A but Here's some Coen Brothers lore for you. The original pitch was brought to these people by the Coen Brothers, and they had a story outline about this bad Santa, which marked the beats throughout the story. And then they hired a script, and rumor, word has it, much like with Sam Raimi's Dark Man, the Coens did a ghost past on the script. I invite you to take another look at some of those scenes where Bernie Mac is catching shoplifters or some of the uh, banter between the elf and his girlfriend and think of some of the Coen Brothers dialogue. It's not executed, I don't think, the way the Coens would execute it. But I feel Coen Brothers' fingerprints all over this thing. (laughs) It was almost maybe too... They were they pondered off on someone else because it was a lark of an idea and they had to go off and make No Country for Old Men or something like that, but they wanted somebody to make this movie. (laughs) It is crazy. It is crazy, subversive, really ugly. It gives us a protagonist that takes a real long time to warm up to (laughs) and uh, just continually hits you with, like, uh, 
shocking, vulgar content. The movie is Bad Santa. It delivers on its pro promise. Uh, we have Lauren Graham playing a girl who's obsessed sexually with Santa Claus. We have the last film performance from John Ritter, which I think is actually quietly nuanced and actually quite hilarious. <laughs> Just how uncomfortable he is makes me laugh. I don't know. Yeah. Like, usually he would be the guy making other people uncomfortable. And there's something about seeing him like do this old granny face that really worked for me. This is one of those movies that shouldn't have worked. It was a big box office hit. They made a sequel of it like almost 10 years later, but apparently it was terrible. I didn't watch it because I, I kind of feel like this is one of those things that could only work once. Was, this is lightning in a bottle here. I do surprise myself by saying that like it does work. I do think it is genuinely funny, but I also get, much like I said with Santa's sleigh, how the... You watch this movie on the wrong day if it hits you wrong it's not going to hit you a little wrong it's going to hit you a lot wrong I think Billy Bob Thornton is a bold actor I think he was the right guy for the part and um, I laugh I again I'm maybe not always proud of myself for laughing <laughs> but I laugh any movie that ends with the LA police gunning down a running Santa Claus in front of a bunch of children is okay in my books but I know that I have a pretty specific taste, and I'm sympathetic that Bad Santa is hard cheese. So, how do you feel about Bad Santa? I so I, I had never watched, and this is another one that I had not seen. Right. I think I don't think I'd seen any of these actually. Um, and I, but I remember when it came out. I remember the trailers. I remember all the marketing, um, and I knew that that movie was not for me and I stand by <laughs> that my decision. opinion. Okay. Uh, like I can't, I can't, I won't say that it's not working or that it's bad. Uh, I see a lot of sort of just, just things that aren't for me, just <laughs> things that aren't for me. Um, I feel like the, I was, it wasn't actually as vulgar as I was expecting it to be. Um, Lauren Graham is a, adorable and just just too good just too good uh the i my my favorite parts were always when he was being chewed out by um his boss who sort of runs the scheme of you know he's the yeah he's the elf you're yeah. the santa we go to the malls and we do things they and, pose uh, they pose but, as these uh, people so that they can rob the place yeah they they're not full of christmas spirit the problem is is that Billy Bob Thornton is such a hopeless drunk that he can barely walk in a straight line, let alone execute the plan. His his buddy, who ends up betraying him, spoilers to the court, you understand why he would make that decision. Absolutely. Like, Billy Bob is a liability. Well, here's why I think, because I'm utterly sympathetic to your position, Ashley, but I, I do think that the movie somehow pulls this off and works for me. In spite of its ugliness, in spite of, like, Billy Bob literally pissing himself in a Santa Claus outfit, like, they go full-on, like, not-pretty-alcoholic on this. The movie somehow has a tiny, tiny, tiny heart packaged in this amazing-looking kid named Thurman Merman. Just brutally helpless like uh you know no way he's going to be doing well socially just because of his strange outward appearance and 
He has nobody in his life. His grandmother, played in an accredited role by Cloris Leachman, uh, is asleep most of the day and probably drunk when she's awake. And he's got nothing going for him except for, you know, his wish to Santa Claus. And this relationship between him and Billy Bob Thornton was like weirdly deep because as weird as the kid is, he knows this isn't Santa Claus, but he's playing this game. And he's decided he loves this Santa Claus. And that somehow, somehow awakens some change in Billy Bob Thornton's character. <laughs> the fact that he becomes his jail pen pal <laughs> at the end of the movie is weirdly sweet. Uh, I think that that would have been a failure of the movie, and that was what I was fearing when watching it, if, if it went with, you know, Billy Bob walking into the sunset with Lauren Graham on his arm and a big bag of money. That's not the way this movie needed to end, but it still needed to be funny. And, like, <laughs> I, it, Thurman Merman is fucking heartbreaking. <laughs> All the ugliness of the movie. Like, my heart breaks for this poor little kid. And the pickle that he was going to make... <laughs> for bad santa for his christmas present but that he painted red with his own blood because he cut his hand while he was making it and in the meantime billy bob thornton's eating all the fucking candy out of this kid's advent calendar and replacing it with advil it's so like unflinchingly ugly and it shouldn't be funny like i'm a bad person (laughs) but god help me i laughed Bernie Mac, the late great Bernie Mac, plays the mall security guard who involves himself into the the scheme. And that's when things get sort of weirdly surprisingly. The movie does kind of turn bloody in the third act. I'm not sure where the movie was going, but I wasn't necessarily expecting it to get, you know... (laughs) There. There. But... I don't know. I with Bernie Mac's character is just sort of worming his way in there, trying to get his bite of the pie. But like I say, I'm sympathetic to his buddy betraying him. But that full turn from charming elf guy to like cold evil at times. <laughs> uh, great role. Uh, that actor's name. Sorry. Oh my God. This is a t- Tony Cox. Um, there's a lot of range yeah. in that character yeah, and uh, he, is, he is the highlight of the movie oh yeah i think he's great because he gets to do things that we want to do he gets to punch billy bob thornton in the balls and he gets to call him on his shit you know you really probably shouldn't be digging in your ass <laughs> like uh just the montages of kids like drooling snot all over sneezing into his face and like like uh yeah i i I can see how being a mall Santa could be the worst. Like, it's a good thing that you only have to do it for like three or four weeks a year. Because otherwise, (laughs) these guys would go totally postal. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm tempted to say guilty pleasure, but I'm not even entirely guilty about it. Like, I've never seen a comedy like this. It's got... Uh, in the spirit of the movie I'll say it's got uh, I'll use a crass term and say it's got kind of balls (laughs) like it it is it is not an easy you know it it makes decisions and it commits I will give it that it is for people who like their comedy dark. Like, I can't really emphasize how dark this movie is. Um, 
but that's my, my, my that is to my taste like um yeah. danny devito's early comedies the throw mama from the train or the war of the roses are mm-hmm. both like incredibly dark movies but i find them hilarious so <laughs> i think the way you were saying that that santa's sleigh kind of surprised you by hitting you in the sweet spot i i i, I could have been offended by this movie on the wrong day maybe i saw it on the right one but Guilty thumbs up from me. Sorry. <laughs> I, I I won't I won't fault you that. It just it just didn't push my right dark comedy buttons. Fair enough. Let's not fight. It's Christmas. all candy canes and pretty lights. I heard this story. This fella dressed as Santa. He said about killing them that was naughty. Creep. Every year, a new town. Everyone knows that story. It's an urban legend. It ain't. Christmas. The number one holiday for people going nuts. Listen, we've got a lead on our killer from the motel. He's wearing a Santa suit and a mask. Hiding in plain sight. <laughs> what if he was punishing them? <laughs> We're just gonna have to take this maniac down ourselves. Christmas Eve is the scariest damn night of the year. Okay, well, the controversial horror movie remake, and this is only kind of, sort of, maybe a remake. There was a really controversial movie from the 80s about a killer Santa Claus. A bunch of, you know, moms got really upset about it and picketed it and tried to brew up a storm. And all they did was just free promotion for the movie. A movie that probably would have come and gone in a blip people had to go see, and it was terrible. So I guess it was true to form in the remake that they made a, I think, kind of terrible remake of it. I'll start with some nice things they'll say about it. It was shot in Winnipeg. I like Winnipeg. I know some people in Winnipeg, and they need work, too, and I like Canadian-made films, so yay, Winnipeg. Um, there's some interesting people in the cast. I like Malcolm McDowell in other movies. Don't like him a lot in this movie, but I like him in a lot of other movies. not fit in this world. <laughs> Jamie King, I believe, is already in a, a not-so-great horror remake called uh, Val- My Bloody Valentine, and... I have a guilty crush on Ellen Wong because she played Knives Chow in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. And that's like one of the most charming characters ever. Like that character and Carol Kane's Ghost of Christmas Past should do like a Thelma and Louise road trip together or something. (laughs) If I'm wrong, you can tell me. uh, Just adorable violence all across. So uh, there's some stuff that I like about it. And... I can get behind a slasher movie, and I can even get behind a, like a somewhat 
dark, heavy, mean-spirited slasher movie. Mm-hmm. But there's something where we've seen it. We've already talked about it with Santa Slay, like characters that are just awful so that we don't care that they die. Or just this dark sort of sinister edge. Because it's a holiday, we're not going to go just a little bit ugly. We're going to go super ugly. You know, everybody's either in the porn business or is like lusting after child. Or like there's just something awful about everybody. Not really anyone to cheer for except for Jamie King, who's kind of got a bland character in this police uh police officer who's got yeah. a legacy her dad was a police officer and he apparently in the past stopped a crazy santa so <laughs> now it is her charge to once again face it but it's joyless to me like i had no fun with it mm-hmm. i usually prefer my this kind of movie to have fun it doesn't have to be full-on cartoonish goofy as santa slay approached it but like you're doing a killer Santa Claus movie, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. At some point, like, the viciousness and the grossness and the ugliness, I just, I slowly developed this kind of sour look on my face, and it never really left. Mm-hmm. It's ugly and not that fun, and there's nothing new about it. It's no new corners to be explored. It's exactly what you expect it to be, only... Much Less. worse, somehow. So I'm not a super big fan of this yeah. Silent Night. And this is weird. Look, I just a few episodes ago reviewed all of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> movies. So it's not that I'm offended by gruesomeness or ugliness or, or violence in a way for violence sake. I'm okay with a movie that knows what it is. I just, I don't know what vibe they were playing either they didn't know themselves or it just wasn't for me but i kind of reacted toxically to it yeah yeah no i i would i would agree um this i don't think this movie knew what it was i think they were trying to make you know a suspense thriller but still have their teeth and they did everything so half-assed that none of it works the the characters are Everyone who gets killed just about is over-the-top evil. Um, some people who get killed are just you know, going about their days doing their jobs. So there's no real motive to to this serial killer, which is, I think, part of why the police station has such a hard time choosing which Santa to arrest. Yeah, they have um, three options for their crazy Santa. <laughs> and the... I, I assume they're trying to do a little bit of a, a Fargo thing with their you know young female cop figuring things out, but she's so bland. She's so so bland, and she has. You know, they try to give her a little bit of character depth. Oh, Christmas is a hard time of year for her, but they hang on to the reasons why for far too long. And by the time they get to it, I just you don't, care. don't care. You don't care. I agree. And the two red herring Santa Clauses are A, very obviously red herring Santa Clauses, and B, not credible. There's no reason for the Donald Logue character to be that much of an asshole that much of a time. And that creepy, pervy Santa Claus who's like, like joyfully pulling a gun on a cop who he doesn't believe has the guts to shoot him, like, this... 
I get that the, we're not necessarily living in the real world, but this, <laughs> this is not credible at any point. No. And I gotta say, Malcolm McDowell falls almost a full letter grade for me. Like, <laughs> I I made excuses for him, especially in the second Rob Zombie's Halloween and his, in, you know, involvement in the Rob Zombie world because he's buddies with Rob Zombie and I bet you Rob Zombie's fun to hang out with and I bet you those sets would be interesting. And a lot of people do like those movies, I just don't. This is awful. And he had to know it was awful. He doesn't care about it. It's on his face that he doesn't care about it. This guy's an amazing actor. Like, he could have looked at it as a challenge. Like, maybe he's like, okay, this is a bad movie, but I am going to fucking sweep the floor with this. I'm going to be the only thing that anyone yeah. remembers about this movie. I am Malcolm Goddamn McDowell, and I am going to give you your money's worth. The character is terrible. The execution is terrible. I don't like what he does. I don't like what he says. I don't care when he dies. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's the same with all the characters. It's okay if you have a character where their execution is terrible and their decisions are terrible, but it can't be everyone. The only person who made a good decision in this whole movie uh, was the mayor's older daughter, uh, who's making out with this boy in their guest house and figures thinks that he's done a thing to scare her and that turns her off and she is done with him. That this is the end of this relationship. <laughs> Goodbye. And like, I want... That was the only time I wanted someone to live. Because right. she made a good decision in that moment. Oh, but she was... <laughs> you know, way too lascivious and uh, sexually active to, yeah. to, to make it through the movie, I'm afraid. <laughs> I was glad that Knives Chow lived through the movie. <laughs> I guess that was one small saving grace. I think the, like, I was going with the movie, and I'm going to give it a chance, I'm going to give it a chance. I think it was, you know, I, like, I didn't mind the slaughter sequence in the strip club in Santa's sleigh, but that porn shoot that he takes out... That was rough. And he chases that girl, like, basically naked to a Winnipeg winter street mm -hmm. and then cuts her leg off in a completely cartoonish, unrealistic way. And the movie before this has been trying to be weird and then direct cuts to trying to do the super traumatizing graphic and at the same time talking about Fargo-esque yeah. wood chipper kill. And it goes on for fucking so ever. It just, it's still happening. I, I think it's still <laughs> happening. Actually. And all I can think is Poor girl is out in the winter freezing to death. What are you assholes doing to this actor? For silent fucking night, she did this. This is like, I probably some poor hopeful Canadian actress that thought this is going to be the thing. Yeah. This is going to be her gateway to Hollywood. Ah, oh, my heart goes out to her. Like committing to a bit, you know, that cannot be easy to do. And I get that other other slasher movies have done sequences similar to this but there's something about how it's handled there's something it's joyless yeah they d the film doesn't care the film is very perfunctory about these people getting killed so we're not you know even in they're not that bad so i'm not happy to see them die and it's not creative or exciting in how it does it am i supposed to be thrilled by this am i supposed to be traumatized by this Am I supposed to be bemused by this? Do they know? I don't. I don't think they. I, I hope that they don't. Because <laughs> if they know what they're trying to do and not doing it, that's so sad. Yeah. There was about a two-minute 
<laughs> segment of the movie. And yes, it's the first two minutes where I thought, oh, maybe we got something here. When we first see him like cut that weird slit mask in half to cover the top half of his face that's not yep. covered by the beard. It looks kind of creepy. So I'm like sort of splits the difference between Alice, Sweet Alice, that old 70s slasher, and a killer Santa. And then he goes downstairs and it looks like he's going to kill a dude, but instead he electrocutes him with Christmas lights. And it's kind of fun and kind of graphic. And you're like, oh, well, maybe we got something. And right away, the movie just goes out of its way to do this. Like, no, no, no. It's not, it's not going to happen that way for you. I, I can and have made excuses for cheesy uh, slasher movies. And if you're a fan of cheesy slasher movies and it hits you on the right day, maybe this will work for you. But I'm saying, as a man who, who does like sleazy slasher movies, this is, this is not... It's not even the worst. It, like, if it was the worst of them, I could say, like, like, mark it on your calendar. There'll never be a worse slasher movie than this. But it's not even that. No. It doesn't deserve the time we're spending on it, Ashley. <laughs> this was, for me, spoilers, no, the big my, lump of coal of my this My only one. comfort was that we'd be able to talk about this and Revenge. make that time worthwhile. <laughs> Revenge. Oh, oh, I don't know if I've missed anything, but like, I'm, I'm trying to forget the movies no. or anything else you want to say. And to keep in mind, it's low budget and Canadian, and we're giving it all of the forgiveness that we can, and yeah. it's just still unforgivable yay winnipeg (laughs) that line from the simpsons all right kids back to winnipeg if you'd like to watch a good horror movie shot in winnipeg i invite you to check out the divide or the surprisingly well done uh chucky pseudo remake what was it the curse of chucky yeah the curse of chucky not as much the cult of chucky but curse of chucky winnipeg made fairly quality slasher movie just saying all right if you're looking for some Sasha movie made in Winnipeg that isn't Silent Night. <laughs> See, it's edutainment. We, we, we're entertained and we learn. It's the weirdest thing. There's no cars, no people. How long can this keep up? We heard something on the roof. What the hell is this? St. Nicholas is not coming this year. Instead, a much darker ancient spirit. Those are hooves. Elk or a goat? What kind of goat walks on its hind legs? His name is Krampus. He and his helpers did not come to give, but to take. Everybody, hold on to each other. He is the shadow of Saint Nicholas. All right. Uh, so, uh, can I proposition? That, that sounds weird. Can I proposition you? I have a proposition for you. <laughs> this isn't, um, I love Tony Collette in a kind of more than friends way. I, I really just think Tony Collette is the bee's niece, and I especially love Tony Collette when she does horror movies. 
And she did this uh, surprisingly, I thought, entertaining remake of Fright Night. She did Hereditary recently. She was amazing in The Sixth Sense, I think. It's like she just breaks my heart in that movie. And she does this Krampus movie. I think there should be like a Tony Collette Horror Film Festival that we should set up somewhere so I can mix my love with, with Tony Collette and my love of the horror genre because she's been pretty dependable for me. I'm coming out of the gate admitting I'm a fan of Krampus. Uh, same writer-director did this trick-or-treat Halloween anthology movie. And this Krampus movie feels like it could have... It's like one of those stories from that movie expanded to a feature length. Um, there's pluses and minuses to expanding one of those stories to feature length. But for the most part, I'm 100% on board. We have a really great, funny cast. Like I said, I love Tony Collette. I like David Koechner a lot. Um, mm -hmm. uh, what was her name? The woman who's in the new Fargo TV series, Me and My Brain. Um, I'm going to get to it in just a second. Uh, stunning cast and fun. Fun. Um, I like it has the feel of those sort of made for kids movies of the 80s that were just a little bit too scary. <laughs> like, were you sure that this was for a kid's audience or did you just intentionally traumatize my kids? Never ending story. Dark Crystal, what the fuck, right? So, like... Gremlins, uh, Gremlins. Gremlins, absolutely. That's a fantastic example. I think this proudly kind of wants to represent for that vibe of movie. Because it purports to be a fun PG family Christmas comedy, but it, it's scary. And it doesn't... <laughs> it has really genuinely scary, crazy moments to it. And it doesn't deliver what you're expecting from it at least like the third act is completely bonkers and wonderful as far as i'm concerned i can understand why like some people would this is just almost too much attacking gingerbread men and like uh again another krampus with a big tongue coming out of his mouth and stuff like this the movie is fun and crazy and funny and uh that is enough but uh, also i have to give big points to the imagination and the production design like across the board like uh i'm all smiles with krampus but i came in a fan of michael doherty i came in a big fan of tony collette like i was most of the way there am i being hyperbolic i don't think you are uh <laughs> i'm i'm coming in as you know a little bit of a fresher slate i'd say the the face i have the most uh affinity to in this project is adam scott right. uh from parks and rec it's a delight to see him um but no what from from the the frozen universal logo i knew this was going to be a good time <laughs> and then the opening black friday slow motion nonsense of retail around christmas you know hit that special little place in my heart that's worked retail around christmas and i knew that we were in good hands yeah i love that slow motion opening scene of like the the, the holiday shoppers and there's just not a no percentage of joy to it at all it's all hate or boredom or like the the thousand mile stare of the clerks you know the stampede of awful so the very stuff that i try to avoid about christmas but they're they're taking to task and good on them mm -hmm. deservedly so um good show allison tolman was the name of the actress i couldn't remember she played the sort of the marge figure in the first season of the fargo tv show which is way better than it had any business being um just for the record if you're curious about that um yeah 
Labyrinth is another movie, weirdly, that came to mind while I was watching this. Mm-hmm. It would mm-hmm. it would be like those those goblins from Labyrinth. There's just maybe a hair or two darker. Like the the instead of being employed by the Goblin King, it's not Muppety. I don't want to give the impression that it's a puppet movie or anything like no, that. No, it, it's dark crystally. If you're going to compare it to <laughs> a Henson production, and they're people in, in in wardrobe and designs. They're not puppets, literally. Usually, there's a strange Jack in the Box creature that's clearly a puppet, and there's this weird uh, cherub angel thing that attacks. Again, they're using iconic Christmas in- imagery and they're they're making it violent. Yeah. <clears throat> Basic story. Excuse me for coughing. <clears throat> Basic story. A boy has lost his faith in Christmas, largely because his family is just a hot mess. <laughs> it's interesting, like how awful his cousins are to him in the first part of the movie, and and how unlikable that those characters when we first oh. meet them seem to be. But through the 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 scares and the trauma of the situation we totally flip around at least i did totally yeah. flip around on all those characters no, i, mean, I, from I agree like, it's, it's impressive how much empathy the movie manages to build towards such a initially horrible group yeah um and just smart horror movie moves the first person to go or die or quote get it and they're being captured as we find out but the first person we lose is the cute teenage daughter traditionally our final girl survivor right and then it's kids and we're dealing with like parents having to like deal with the fact that their kids been sucked up a chimney (laughs) and uh and like this storm is not just a regular storm something supernatural has happened when that little boy tears up his letter for santa and he rejects his christmas spirit and he gives up on it that opens the door to this Krampus. And as much as the movie is fun and bouncy and crazy, the darkness that descends never goes away for the yeah. whole movie. Yeah. And I think like that's the first time gotcha of the movie. And I can see some people being maybe a little bit off-put the first time. But the more I watch that movie, the more there's just something just sort of perfect about it. It's still a horror movie, and it's still fun. You don't necessarily walk away from the movie traumatized, but the overarching story that these people are going to spend their lives in a like eternal Christmas ornament, eating the same Christmas dinner for eternity with each other, yeah. they are being forced to have happy Christmases or have a happy eternity, whatever that is. Like, there's no winners to this unless you count and, Krampus, I guess. Uh, and and such a hard ending to pull off. I did not see it coming. Uh, I was briefly terrified spoiler spoilers spoiler stop the go watch this if you haven't seen it this. i apologize if you but, haven't seen this yeah. if you haven't seen this go watch it um but when when he initially wakes up and at that ending uh, i had a terrible terrible feeling that oh no it's gonna all be a dream right but then he goes down and the camera pulls out and it's just one of thousands and thousands of snow globes in the krampus's lair His and collection. i thought that that was delicious and perfectly executed yeah and like the, the the kid had the option he could like spend the rest of his life alone and sort of like find a new family like his grandmother had or you know he could go be with his family and he made the right Christmas decision. He wants to be with his family, I guess. But that last confrontation from that little kid when he demands his family back. I, it's a, it's a, I keep on going to the Coens this episode. But it's like almost no country for old men. It's just like, no, no. You, you, well, okay, you're getting your family back. But at the cost of basically hell. Uh, philosophers will argue that anything that goes on forever is hell. So even though I would be trapped on Christmas Day with Tony Collette, I do not envy being in that 
in that crystal ball. Uh, but, like, the movie just surprises you with the turnarounds. Like, not only did they do the thing where, you know, Adam Scott and David Koechner just drive sparks off each other. They don't like each other, and they, like, are pretty clear about it. Yeah. But they totally, like, bro up over this Christmas adventure. And, and it's beautiful. <clears throat> it's awesome. And, like, they, they like he, Adam Scott earns it, you know? Like, uh, Koechner agreed to help him go look for his daughter. Good points. And then Kagner gets tried to be dragged away under the snow by chain, and he saves him. And like all of a sudden, they completely are like on board. And I don't know, like it's weirdly a sweet moment. There's a little bromance in the middle of all this other chaos that's going on. We have another wonderful sort of stop motion e flashback sequence. Mm-hmm. Probably the hammiest thing in the movie is the grandmother character. This sort of like a her position as the exposition machine and how she chooses to only speak in her language but everybody speaks english to her but she speaks back like her it's just strange everything about that character is a little bit odd she's sweet and lovable but strange (laughs) uh but yeah she tells the story about why she takes christmas so so carefully and why she's obsessed with them keeping the fire up and they don't listen to her and that costs them like you know, if, if if you know that they're going to come through the chimney, maybe don't just say, keep the fire up. Maybe be a little more specific. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think once once the magical winter has descended, it, it, it was already time to be, you know, forthcoming, at least with your own family, if not with their in-laws. Regular surprises. Uh, the, the twin cousins that go upstairs together because, you know, let's, let's, let's not be stupid in horror movies to use the bathroom and get lured up into the attic by the voice of their cousin. We don't see what happens, but mom's coming, running up the, the stairs to, to save the day. And no, she kicks up the door and her child's feet are disappearing into the mouth of this demonic clown thing. Uh, <laughs> and like how horrifying and traumatizing like as a parent like uh, she's broken for the rest of the movie understandably but she also has another kid who's missing and another daughter to protect and i love that they give her an opportunity to sort of like sigourney weaver up and she has this sort of kick-ass moment where she at least takes temporary revenge for all the trauma that she has went through the gingerbread cookie scene shouldn't work but it like it, it, it works. <laughs> it's a man being attacked by a half a dozen gingerbread cookies. They're firing a nail gun at him, <laughs> and uh, it's absurd. The movie's bonkers, and I've come to realize I really appreciate movies that are bonkers. <laughs> like you haven't seen anything like this before. <laughs> like you really haven't. Now, I don't think it's quite the same level of trick-or-treat. Like, trick-or-treat is a Halloween thing for me now. Like, that's part of my Halloween season. I just think it's kind of a perfect Halloween movie. It's fun. It's scary. It's got lots of stories. It's an anthology, but there's no weak beats. Mm -hmm. Like I said, if there's a weak beat at the beginning of the movie, by the time you get to the end of the movie, you understand the beginning. And so, like, uh, it pays off. Uh, I like. I guess at the beginning of the review, I said that this feels like an expanded version of that, and in that way, I found it successful. Unfortunately, neither Trick or Treat nor Krampus were particularly successful films. But I want me more Mike Doherty. I like where his head's at. I like his imagination. I like the production design. Yeah. I like that it, it it managed. It's a fun family feeling movie, but it has real darkness yeah. to it. Like measuring balancing that that crazy and that darkness and the funny 
it, it not easily done. I don't not think. at all. Like a lot of balls in the air. Um, so I guess I like Krampus. Yeah. <laughs> Is there yeah. anything else you want to say? I feel yes. like we're doing short like, service. <laughs> if you're if you want that like it almost gave me the home alone feeling of the the fa- the very family the very Christmassy but a little bit dark and really quite funny um watch this movie guys yeah. watch this movie yeah I, I'd like to think I mean it's not quite there yet but that the that cult crowd is going to form around Krampus and it will get its due that's what happened yeah. with trick-or-treat it was buried nobody saw it in theaters it might have not even got a proper theatrical release one of those things like played in five cities for two days so they can say that it was released and then mm-hmm. uh, quietly but like anybody who watches the movie seems to like it and that's kind of how I feel about Krampus if this is your jam you're gonna walk away smiling <laughs> and and it's not a hard jam to to taste agreed Spirits did it all in one night, Ashley. They did it all in one night. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> I always love in the original, well, for me, the original uh, Christmas Carol with Alistair Sim, when he sees the little boy at the window and uh, tells him to go to the butcher shop and get the biggest turkey out of the window, and the kid says, Walker. I don't know what Walker means necessarily. <laughs> I, I assume it's like... <laughs> Dickensian for go fuck yourself but I've always found it intensely charming but that's not what we're here to discuss as fun as that would be um, we just talked about six uh, Christmas themed movies four of them horror movies two of them comedies uh, what was your least favorite of those and why my least favorite was Silent Night because what? it was <laughs> spoilers uh, it was unoriginal and joyless and you know, if you if you want to see a police procedural about a little town and a girl who figures out, you know, what's going on, watch Fargo. There you go. At number five, I have Bad Santa. Um, I can't fault the making of the movie. I can't fault anything, you know, about it. It's just not for me. Uh, I knew that going in, and it it proved me right. If it's for you, that's fantastic. I, I congratulate you on your, I don't know, higher tolerance for ugliness. Ugliness. Um, and it's just not my particular flavor of dark humor. At number four, I put Scrooge. Okay. Um, 
I have, I have nothing bad to say about it. I just don't have anything supremely good to say either. Uh, it it is it is what it is. It's a take on a Christmas story. It does some interesting things. It makes some you know missteps, and it's too it's got too much behind it in terms of you know budget especially in terms of budget um for me to give it a lot of passes so it lands you know in the middle uh at number three i have christmas horror story uh it ranks high because it's doing interesting things uh the the interplay of the individual stories for the most part works for me and i think on a second watch probably the discord of the one would um even it out a lot. The performances are really quite strong, and it hit my jump, like my my jump scares, and it hit my creep factor in a way that I found you know just just the right amount of satisfying. At number two, I have Santa's sleigh. Wow. Um, what a what a just a banger, just a banger. <laughs> Uh, fun from beginning to end, top to bottom, knows exactly what it's doing, and it looks like it was a lot of fun to make, and sometimes that doesn't make for a good movie, but in this case, I thought that it did. And at number one, unsurprisingly, I have Krampus. (laughs) It's just a beautiful amalgamation of the darkness of the winter and the beauty of the Christmas season and the terror of your family and the terror of the cold and just committing to the concept um, with strong performances throughout, beautifully shot, beautifully made, and you know, needs, needs the cult to form around it still but i think that day will come and i will be there also tony clitt's awesome (laughs) and adam scott is fantastic there we go see we both found stuff to like in that one well i guess you're not going to be surprised when i say we have quite different lists but different (laughs) as different as they might be i think we're going to still part company friendly (laughs) um but let's start off agreeing Silent Night is clearly <laughs> the worst movie of this list. And frankly, I mean, I would, I would never say this and mean it, but I would have been disappointed if you had it not like that. <laughs> it would have really warped my perception of Ashley. If I was yeah, like, <laughs> that would be fair. <laughs> really? Number four? Really? Okay. Okay. Number four. Okay, really? Okay. Number four. All right, no. Silent Night is at the bottom of the list. I mean, it's just... It, it's it's not so bad it's good it's not it's just so bad it's forgettable it has better actors in it at times than it deserves but there's just the ugliness to it like you say the joyless joyless is the right word now here's where you get a little bit mad no, no, no. i put santa's slave fifth place <laughs> I did have fun with it. I do like it, and I do give it a thumbs-up review. This is like Santa's, or sorry, Silent Light was the only mm-hmm. real loser of the bunch of six as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah so, I, would, I uh, would agree with that. It's lo-fi, it's goofy, it's rough around the edges, and it's charming for that. But I just, like, <laughs> I think it, it, it 
right movie, right day. It just hit you better than it hit me. I found it fun and charming, and, and it is what it is, and it is that way well. Again, we, we talked about that Flight of the Living Dead movie. It, it yeah. was what it was. Santa's sleigh is what it is. If that's what you're, you're in the mood for, it's going to deliver exactly what you expect it to. Dipping down to fourth place, but again, I do like all of these movies. I'm going to put Scrooge there. The presence of Carol Kane makes me want to put it higher and how much I liked seeing it when I was a kid. I think it was one of those first movies, like, when I was a kid, I'd go to movies by myself all the time. I didn't have a problem with it. There was a stigma. A lot of people used to make fun of me. You go to movies by yourself? Yeah, I'm a nerd. What are you going to do? And I don't talk to people. It's after the movie I want to talk to somebody, not during it. <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed it when I was a kid, and I feel like I've kind of outgrown the movie in some ways. Uh, it's a great skeleton story, and it will work again and again. It works enough here, but they had all the toys in the toy box to work with. They had a great, you know, cast, and it's a movie that has good moments, but it's not altogether fantabulous. But if you want to watch something with your family on Christmas, you're, you're, you're totally not safe. totally fine, you know. Bill Murray is a charming presence. All right, now we're going to get mad at me again. <laughs> <laughs> All the way in third place, I put the just deliciously dark Bad Santa. <laughs> Nothing is off the table as far as what they're going to show you. And the, just the ugly depravity of the Billy Bob Thornton character in a redemptive arc that is somehow sweet. I think they somehow manage sweet in spite of it. And yeah, it involves, you know, people being fucked in the ass and like uh, Santa's barfing in the parking lot and like uh it's rough i get that it's not for everyone but it, it's kind of my jam and like i say it's haunted by the coen brothers <laughs> i feel like they're they're giggling behind the curtain somewhere yeah. <laughs> so yeah I, I'd, I'd have been interested to see their actual version yeah. i think i think that might have played better for me <laughs> So I controversial on my top two. I was gonna be like, it's like if this was the only place we switched, I would have been like, oh, I apologize. This is, <laughs> and it's gonna seem weird because we just foamed at the mouth about Krampus. I'm gonna put Krampus in second place. Here's the thing, like, uh, like when I say that it's one big version of like what Mike Doherty did with Trick or Treat, that is exactly that. I expected to really like Krampus. I don't think the Christmas horror story should have worked. The stories are incredibly different. The themes are like, you know, the, there's not sort of an overarching like, yes, this is what the button that they're trying to push. They're actually pushing a lot of buttons. You might even accuse them of like just mashing the keyboard. I did point out some things that were a little bit off, a little thing, but it's incredibly ambitious and it works way more than I thought it would. There's not yeah. a weak story there. There really isn't. Like, I mean, I, I understand you when you're talking about how outside everything the Santa slaughtering the elves does. But like I said, I think that payoff really works. And it was one of those things where it's like, oh, I should have seen that coming. I feel <laughs> stupid now that I didn't see that. Fuck you for not, for, you know, me not seeing that coming. It, it, the movie consistently surprised and consistently overperformed. And it's something that I've done a lot on the podcast. Like, uh... I, even though Krampus underperformed, I think most people have heard of Krampus and have an idea of what it is and that they'll have fun with it. A Christmas horror story people could miss, and I, I, I don't think they should. I mean, like I said, I might not watch it every Christmas, but I'll watch it again. And if someone hasn't seen it, I would enjoy showing it to them. 
Uh, same thing with Krampus, by the way. Uh, this is a controversial pick. This is one of those ones I'm, I knew I was going to like Krampus, and I like Krampus. I kind of thought Christmas Horror Story was going to be stupid, and it it, it kind of knocked me out. In a yeah. way. It's just like, and it's incredibly rare to find an anthology movie where there's no real weak link. And like for me, I know we keep on going back to the elves. For me, there was <laughs> I like the violence and the craziness yeah. of that story. Even before I understood what was going on, just the melee of it, just the <laughs> the audacity, the yeah. craziness, so, yeah, the blood drenched Santa. I'll, I'll fit, like I liked that story by itself. It just didn't fit for the others. With for the me. others, and probably on rewatch, knowing what it is, it would do better. Yeah. But so controversially, I'm going to get maybe a Canadian bias coming through here. <laughs> and I certainly don't want anybody to not think I don't love Mike Doherty. And I certainly don't love Tony Collette because I love her. And I like to think given the opportunity, she would love me back. So uh, <laughs> uh, that's that's my controversial pick. But um, very different. But uh, I think for the most part, uh, it was a pretty strong list for me. Like, yeah, <laughs> what yeah, is I, it? I think it, there was. There was one bad movie on this, and we both picked it up. Yeah. So it's all good. It's all and, good. Uh, who's to know like, that, that Christmas and horror would work so well together? This is this weird surprise chocolate and peanut butter mix. Like, <laughs> who knew? Uh, thank you so much. Uh, oh, thank you. I know it's early. Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas. Everybody who's listening to uh, the hopefully around the holidays or whatever time of year, thank you for listening to Rank and Review. You will be hearing more from Ashley Jurgens yes. in 2020. 2020. Another fun fact. You were the first podcast of 2019, and you <gasps> will be the last podcast Book of 2019. Of the year. That's my girl. Thank you Fear so much. <laughs> it's always Thanks good to, to see you. <laughs> we need more Ashley in the calendar. Uh, send some love to Eric for me, would you? Will do. And enjoy Vancouver. And that was our very special Christmas episode of Rankin Review. I hope you enjoyed that. It's always a pleasure to talk to Ashley. Um, once again, happy holidays. Um, before I wrap things up, I am actually going to take one second to mention something that I didn't before. I think one of the things that made Santa Slay rank so low for me was that pop rock soundtrack. I think they leaned way too heavily on it, and it wasn't as good as I think the people involved maybe thought it was. I'd meant to mention it when we reviewed it, I didn't, and it bothered me enough that I'm talking about it now. But enough about Santa Slay. I hope you, uh, enjoyed this particular episode and uh, if you have feedback to send me you can send it to me you can t- defend that soundtrack if you want to by writing me at rankandreview at gmail.com you can spread the word about rank and review you can check us out on facebook you can check out the website at rankandreview.ca and uh, anything you can do to help uh, support the show and spread the word would be greatly appreciated like i'll count it as a christmas present Thank you so much for listening to Rank and Review, and I hope you continue to do so in the new year. 2020. 2020, kids. <laughs>